Hey, what's up, guys? It's Ben from United Q. It's Wednesday, which means we have another awesome podcast to get you over hump day. I'm here with my co-host, Dan. Hey. We're brought to you by Pro-Q, Barbecue Gourmet, Kamado Joe, and Smokewood Shack, our awesome sponsors. Pro-Q is dedicated to providing you with quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice for beginners to pitmasters. You can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Pro-Q Smokers. So if you're thinking about buying your first smoker, wanting to upgrade, or looking for charcoal cabinet smokers, then check them out over at Max Barbecue. Barbecue Gourmet is devoted to promoting real barbecue and supplying the UK, Europe, UK and Europe, top championship winning barbecue rubs, sauces, marinades and accessories from the United States and around the world. You can find them on Twitter and online at Barbecue Gourmet. So regardless of how you cook, whether it's on charcoal, wood, gas or electric, the real taste of barbecue can be yours all year round. And Kamado Joe is renowned for build quality and innovation from smoking, roasting or searing. Kamado Joe is the premium ceramic grill chosen by Michelin star chefs and barbecue enthusiasts alike. Get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Check out kamadojoe.co.uk plus Facebook and Twitter. And on today's show, we have John Gower. Hi, John. You all right? Hi. Hi. How are you? All right? Yeah, good. Thank you. Hi, John. How's it going? Great. Great. It's all good here. Nice, bright, sunny day. Yeah? You're out on the farm, are you? I'm down in one of the fields cooking a big, uh, cooking a big pot of pork, milk, milk braised pork steaks for a uh, for a job we've got coming up. Wow! So we've caught lovely, you actually on the job, have we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So <laughs> got a little fire going, nice big cast iron pot. So are you recipe development or actually cooking for the event now? Yeah, we're cooking for the event, but I mean, we cook this one. It's nice if it cools in its own sauce, and then we we reheat and thicken the sauce for the uh, for the service. So. That'll be an event for a day after tomorrow. Cool. So, what did you say that was? It was. It's a it's a, a Tuscan inspired pork steak. It's a pork shoulder steak that's um, you sort of sear it with garlic and butter, and then you and then you braise it in in milk and thyme and a little bit of lemon zest. Awesome. Sounds nice. I've never yeah. tried that before. Yeah, we did we did a version of it actually at Grillstock. Um, we called it the the copper burger because it's come out of the money muscle, um, and uh, they went down really well, really tender, really succulent, awesome. nice uh, nice eating. So, wh- how would you say you're cooking it? What's your barbecue that you're doing it on? I'm doing. I'm actually doing it all in one big pot on a fire. Um, so I'm I seared the uh, the steaks off in in garlic and butter, got a bit of colour on them, bronze them off, and then add you add milk, thyme, and uh, a bit of lemon zest, and you just cook them really slowly, just just almost covered in milk, so they just slowly tick away, and um, cook them for about two hours, mm-hmm. and then the nice thing is to then mm-hmm. let them cool in the sauce, so that they stay really moist, um, and then you whip them out, reduce the sauce down, so you get a really nice thick, fragrant gravy. And then um, and then put the steaks back in just to warm them through. It's it's a good dish. Mm. It's a great winter dish. Does it stay looking like quite white in colour then? Um, it goes a kind of a pale sort of pale gravy, kind of like a white wine gravy looking. Oh. Uh, there's there's a point when you add the lemon zest where it looks like it's gone wrong, but you have to stick with it. And it's, it's worth it in the end because it it will curdle a little bit when you're cooking, and it gets a bit uh, gets a bit thick. And then after it's after it's cooled down, you just you just reduce the sauce, and it, it makes a lovely thick sauce to go with the to go with the steaks. Mm. 
Interesting. Definitely going to give that a go. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's well worth it. And um, I think a lot of people can buy the, the collar mussels. Um, obviously, we harvest them from the pigs, but you can you can buy, you know, the, the collars separately. A lot of people use that for their um, for their barbecue competitions, I think. Cool. You've just got a can of fireball, Ben, haven't you? So that'd yeah. be a cool recipe to try yeah, on that. Yeah, definitely do it on that, wouldn't it? Or like Dutch oven sort of thing yeah. would be kind of cool for that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, no, it's great. It's a great kind of one pot. You build it all in the dish. And um, and then just let it let it sort of tick away. It's it's a it's a lovely lovely little dish. Yeah. Do you put a lid on it, or do you just keep it open? I, I keep it open. Sometimes I'll put a little bit of a, a paper in the in the dish just to just to kind of keep some keep it going too you know stop it drying out too much. But, yeah. Uh, little cartouche mm. never hurts. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I might and it looked great with the. It looked tell down. It looks especially good with some clouds around the edge. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> now we're talking. Now yeah, I'm interested. No, he's, he's hooked now. He's back in the room. He is just packed <laughs> up. I have jazzy flowers. Yes. <laughs> right. Well, I think we've we've dived straight in here without really talking about um, who you are and where you're where you're from because we've got all excited about the fact you're actually cooking. And now, now, now we're both um, hungry and we want to start eating. Um, so, so I'm you're on, from I'm on the farm. Yeah. Tell us about the farm. Tell us about you and the farm. (laughs) Um, Little farm, North Devon. I grew up about half a mile away. I've been down here since I was about nine. Um, Grew up on a little farm in the village. Um, Then when uh, my parents passed away, I I found a bit of land just outside the village. And we were really blessed, to be honest. It It was a piece of land that hadn't been farmed for about 40 years. So it's very wild, lots of wildlife. Lots of kind of overgrown hedgerows, and um, we just started started work on it. Built a built a house, built built a barn, built built a farm basically from scratch. And um, it's been a really nice, you know, a lot of hard work, but a really nice adventure. Uh, the kids have all loved it growing up here. Yeah, I bet. And um, you know, it's uh, and it's hard. You know, watching my parents work very hard in farming, it's hard to make a living. Um, so we were always more interested in the food side, in a small farm that that could do things with what it grew, turn them into product. Uh, that's where I started doing the speciality sausages and the charcuterie that we do. Um, but from there, we then it led into to event catering and 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 restaurant supply. Just trying to do something imaginative with with what we've got seasonally, uh, using all the all the bits of the animal, the nose to tail type approach with whatever we're doing. Mm-hmm. And um, and that makes it more enjoyable. You're not doing the same thing all the time. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you're doing nose, you know, nose to tail and from field to, field to table as well. Yeah. So you're doing the whole, that's mm, it, that's the whole it. thing, the whole that's sort of shebang you're doing. Yeah, yeah, very much. Um, and, and, and everything we're doing has kind of grown out of that. In fact, where I'm cooking right now in the top field... Um, I'm on the site of what will be the next year we'll be opening, um, a little shop and eatery and a, a little event venue. Um, and that, for me, is kind of full circle because it brings, we, you know, we spend a lot of time traveling around, cooking all over the country, and it'll be really nice to kind of bring it home and people can come here, eat, party, enjoy, take something away, but also see, you know, look over the vets and see the animals, see the fields, and um, that's definitely the way we want to go with it. So all you need now is like your own drink as well, produced there, and you're all sorted, aren't you? 
pretty much, I think. Yeah, you need a brewery right. in there. You can build a wall and yeah, just... Little, you can, little, uh, little, little moonshine still behind the shed. Get all Donald Trump in us and build a wall around the farm and just stay in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Completely yeah, no, self-sufficient. It's, it's lovely. Yeah, uh, and, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else to grow up down here. Beaches, uh, choice of beaches, you know, not far away. The moors behind me. I'm happy here. Uh, you know, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Yeah, definitely. Sounds amazing there. Yeah, being Devon boys ourselves, we are we're quite happy to be here too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can't beat it down here. So so what animals and stuff have you got on the farm? Um well I mean we're mainly pigs. Um we produce a lot of pigs, um, but poultry as well, so chickens, geese, ducks, turkeys, um, all to order. And um and we have a goats, we have a boar goat herd, uh, for meat. And then we're just, uh, we've done a little bit of beef every now and again, um, but we're just looking now to move into some aged beef. So we're going to have low numbers, but we're going to keep them a nice long time and go for some aged um What sort of aging process are you going to go for? We're just going to go with, um, we're just going to go with keeping them a nice long time, you know, um, not, you know, kill, kill at about five years old. Okay. Um, so that we get, and, and that's that's kind of the approach we've taken with the pigs as well. Yeah, so more mature. I mean, sort pig, of a... pigs and chickens are always popular because the way they are naturally, but also the way they've been bred is to put on a lot of weight quite quickly. So they're kind of economically quite good for farmers. But we're all about t- taking our time. Uh, our pigs, our pigs grow for you know a year, sometimes more, um, and we don't rush anything. And that's where the flavour is. You know, they're. So what what sort grazing. of difference as as a uh, as a end user would would we sort of see between sort of a a I don't know what you would say a a juvenile pig to a a more mature and it's, less it's, I mean, for me for, for me it's all about the flavour um, we don't feed any concentrates our pigs are foraging in the woods in the fields. Um, so they've got a really varied diet. They put on their weight very slowly. Um, the, the meat matures, so you get a really nice texture. You get great flavor, great color, um, much more intramuscular fat. Um, and I would say, you know, people always say, well, what breed pigs do you have? We have all sorts of breeds. And the breed to me is less important than their age and what they've been fed and how they've been looked after. And you, you keep a pig in, its, in a kind of natural environment for a nice long time. It will reward you with... Deep red, deep red meat, really great flavour. It will retain its its moisture in a way that the kind of pale stuff you see in the shops just can never do. It doesn't taste of anything. Hmm. So, um, and and then that started mainly from the charcuterie side. You need that. You want an older pig. You know, sow, sows and things are what people want to use for for charcuterie, where they've got uh, a nice, a nice, well developed flavour, good size, nice. Um, nice intramuscular fat so once we had started doing that and and realizing how good this meat is then then we just kept the same kept the same regime for for the catering side you know it people always say you know wow pork pork's a meat that quite a lot of people are a bit wary of um and when you taste good pork you you know there isn't much better yeah definitely agree with you there (laughs) So what, when when what came first for you? Were you more of a farmer or more of a cook? Was it like the farming just led you into cooking, or did you? Yeah, like I think I think, I think I've always cooked, um, and we always cooked at home. 
um, we were, you know, my mum and dad on the farm, we were quite self-sufficient um, back in that, back in the days when, when it was seen as a kind of funny thing to be, <laughs> whereas it's kind of much more popular now. Mm. Um, we've always lived off, lived off our own little bit of land a bit. Um, and for me, yeah, it was a, it was a decision, it was a passion, but it was a decision, a business decision as well to, to just produce the most interesting things we could from whatever we were growing, whether that be animals or, or crops, you know? So, so do you, do you I've always, grow crops? I've always loved cooking. Yeah, we've got, you know, fruit and vegetables. We've, we're just establishing, last few years we've been establishing a, a forest garden here, um, looking at that kind of approach of all year round, uh, sort of low maintenance rather than annual cropping. It's, it's trees. So we've got lots of nuts and fruits and things that we're growing, um, that we're going to start utilizing more in, in the restaurant side. Uh, and then maybe, um, you'll grow annual crops underneath the trees, you know, so it's, awesome. it's a nice way of doing it. And that works really well with the pigs and it works really well with the, the poultry. So everything's coming out of its own little ecosystem. It's, it's a nice, it's a nice approach. This is and, um, awesome already. It's, it's very, very much like we spoke to Andiana uh, hmm. last week, and it seems like he sort of has been involved in in such a uh, a well rounded sort of wealth of different things. And it's the same f- the sort of vibe I'm getting from you. That I know you are like one of the key contributors in Salt Cured Pig, another forum that I participate yeah. in on, and and you. <laughs> Have that's a salt cured pig, salt cured pig yeah. Facebook group, isn't yes, it? all yeah. that sort of charcuterie. Yeah, it's amazing, and it's, and it's a, it's a pleasure to be involved there. John John Patterson set it up, uh, and it started off as a kind of merry little band of people, be good top quality curists from all over the world, chefs, writers, all kind of getting together to share some knowledge. And um, now it's massive. I mean, I don't know now with sort of ten thousand members all wow. over the world. Um, and just some of the best people in the industry from from every strand kind of sharing their knowledge is kind of like open source charcuterie you know everyone's really willing to share really willing to teach uh you know so you've got top top butchers top writers top chefs um you know all doing great work it's it's been good to be part of that and i think that you know we, we know each other from from marcus's group you know that's another one that, that in this country is looking to forge maybe a new way of doing things uh not just typical barbecue i say that no no disparaging but you know moving on from typical barbecue to, to just cooking outdoors yeah. um, there's so much so much to learn so many great people doing some good things that the way everyone just shares their knowledge is, is really nice to be part of you know yeah i have to check that out because charcuterie is not something that i've ever really got into and Dan's really into yeah. it, and I've tasted some of his bacon and stuff that he's made, and it's been amazing. I, I really need to get around to getting into it. Well, I guess. Yeah, well, one, one, once you've made your own bacon, there's no going back. You, yeah. You're away then. It's well, I only like his meat. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, exactly. It and, is and weird that how. People control, you know? Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, it is yeah. weird how, like, you can go throughout your whole life eating, yeah. like, uh, I don't know, bacon from the supermarket, and then suddenly you have a go at making it yourself and, I don't know, 
not massively have a lot of confidence in it because it's the first time you've done it, etc., etc. Going through the processes, uh, using great sort of resources like Sulk Your Pig, the forum, and, and there's loads of stuff online to help you along the way. And, and always in the forums, there's always plenty of help around. Someone posted in Countrywood Smoke this weekend, I think. I'm pretty sure you commented on what he posted, but it was like his first time making his own bacon and cooking it yeah. up and he was so pleased with how it turned out and I was just like, yeah, we need to get No, it's so nice to this. see, you know, we, 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 I dropped uh, some articles for the, the magazine coming out tomorrow, I think, the, um, the UK barbecue magazine on curing, so we've done some bacon stuff, we've done some ham stuff and a, a pastrami sort of how-to guide, you know, mm. and, um, and I think, I think the more people do that, the more people learn, you know, and it's, it's about frugality as well, you know, we're all, we're having to watch the pennies in this day and age. And um, if you can produce quality food for yourself for a fraction of the price that, that a supermarket wants to charge you for what's a real second, third-rate product, then, um, you know, more power to everyone, I yeah, think. Yeah, go for it. What, what would be yeah. your top tip, then, for me if I was going to get into charcuterie? What do I need? I think definitely start start with your bacons and your hams. Get your like Dan said, get your confidence because it is a it is a funny area, you know. And we're battling all the time. I'm not I'm not knocking them, but there's a lot of there's a lot of books written and TV shows where they kind of you know throw some salt on it, hang it in a tree, and it'll be fine. <laughs> and I and that worries me. <laughs> it worries me, and and I think it does. If people try things and they don't work, it knocks their confidence. Whereas if you learn carefully and sensibly from day one about safety and about how to do things well. Um, you get great product, and then you, then your confidence grows, and you feel right. I can tackle something else. And so, one minute you're you're bacon because it's easy, it's done in a week, and it's the best thing in the world. And then, then you're thinking, right, well, if I take it to the next stage and hang it to dry, and get some really nice pancetta, and you learn about how a dry meat is a, is a, is intensifies all the flavors and you can start using that in dishes that you you know that where you would have used some some maybe some weak kind of tasteless bacon before you start using your own pancetta hanging up hanging up in your larder you'll um you'll never go back and um you know solid muscles again i'm using i'm using shoulder the money muscle as they call it in barbecue the, the copper is um it's great for for curing whole Get yourself some uh, some some nice thinly sliced meats. Impress your friends in summertime, and it is easy. It's it's easy if you follow the right steps carefully. Um, don't try and run before you can walk, but you'll soon be jogging. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah I think like most people sort of main main sort of holdback or, or concern is is the sort of hygiene and food mm. safety storage bit sort of I'm side is that side space of it. it takes up to do it. Does it take up a lot of space? Yeah. yeah, but I mean, again, start small. Bacon, everyone could be making their own bacon. If you've got a fridge and you've got, a, you know, some Ziploc bags, you could be making your own bacon all the time. And I think that's the other thing that people, once your confidence is up, and I've seen that on the groups that we've helped with, is that you get, you get people, instead of eating a one-off, oh, I made some bacon once, they've got into the hang of it. It's a bit like, you know, you keep it raging. You start doing it every week, and then that's the only bacon you eat, and, yeah. and that's the way to go with it. Um, 
Does it keep you fit Same as well, does it? <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, John Gower's diet sort plan. of regime I could get into, I think. Just eat bacon. <laughs> you should release a book. Yeah. Yeah. You know what it's like? Habit. It's all about form, forming habits forming good habits yeah. and um and then you'll never you'll never be without it you know and it's the same with with the dry curing you know it, you can make a batch and then once it's all it's so delicious it's all gone and you think oh buddy that took two months to make i better um i better make some more but if you get into the swing of it you'll you'll be laying down the next load before you finish the first load and you'll you'll never you'll never go without again you know mm. yeah i need to get into it christmas is coming up get get on it over the christmas period well, we read the barbecue mag and yeah. uh that's coming out yeah. tomorrow and you can uh, pick up some tips yeah 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 no exactly <laughs> look look at that and 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 christmas you know think about curing some duck breasts and things mm. lovely bit of a bit of duck prosciutto you know it's it's easy it's quick you can do it in a in in the fridge you know just move move a few things to one side and bob's your uncle yep give, definitely give that a go awesome Never had duck before, have you, like that, in that form? Yeah, yeah. 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 Cool. Uh, so, going back to, I mean, obviously, being a producer, being a foodie, when when did yeah. sort of smoking and that sort of side of things come into your life? Was that through charcuterie and then you sort um, of hot smoking yeah, and I stuff mean, like I've, that? Where did that all sort of come in? I've been live, I've been kind of live fireman more for longer. Um, I was, uh, in a former life, I was a chippy working on construction and I was at um I was at a show um, I, I was at a show, you know dread to think, twenty twenty something years ago where um we were just doing set set building and um uh a Malman was there and I remember thinking, Wow, this is this is this is like campfire cooking but taken up to the next level. It's it's still rustic. It's still kind of rough and ready, but it's got a little bit of refinement to it. A little bit, you know. It doesn't mean it's got to be dull yeah. or or simple. You know, you can bring a little bit of refinement. We 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 like to use the phrase rustic fine dining about what we do. Um, you know, because it isn't. I'm not a chef. I'm not classically trained, but I do like you know. I do like to add a bit of interest there, and I like to give give dishes a twist. You know and that that's what inspires me but i still like cooking over a fire and um i was talking with simon dyer at powderham about it for me you know i'm no good with technology gadgets i'm not big on that if i need it to be cooler i can move it further away from the fire (laughs) if i need it to be hotter i can move it a bit closer and that that's my sort of thermostat I think I was, um, I was thinking to myself yesterday. I feel like I've almost like gone in a full circle with cooking outdoors because I started off. I think I just had charcoal, just chuck chuck a bag of charcoal on, get it going, cook on that. This is when I was like a kid at home with mum and dad. Then they would have they upgraded and got themselves a gas barbecue, and that was the cool new thing to have. Everyone had that, so I had one of those. And then I like kind of moved back to like a, a Weber and. Then I wanted all the cool gadgets and wanted different ways of achieving all these different things. Now, like the latest thing is having like a cad eye fireball, and like the asados are also popular. And you're getting yeah. back to the point where you're actually like you've kind of full circle. You just want none of the cool gadgety stuff, and you just want fire and your meat it's there, the and you just get cooking. <laughs> <laughs> it's the coolest thing there is. We've all, and it's unlocking skills that we've all got already because everyone loves a fire. Everyone loves poking a fire, moving it around, building it up, letting it die down. It's it's all in. It's there. We've been doing it since the dawn of time, haven't we? 
and yeah. and I think that if you embrace that and you you get used to tending fires and looking after a fire and seeing what it can do and um and I love the efficiency of it you know we'll light some fires and you're using the coals for 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 cooking off your your veg and you're using the flame for 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 heating your hot plate and you're using you know the the indirect heat for cooking your meats off so you're using the same fire and getting everything you can out of it and um I think that's what I love. Um, the, the, the kind of smoking and the, and, the, and the kind of more traditional barbecue stuff, I've been doing for a few years, of course, but um, that came to me definitely later than the, um, than the kind of lighting a fire and cooking over it. Um, and uh, and don't, don't get me wrong, I love the barbecue. Proud owner of, of one of um, uh, your great sponsors, GFCs. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't be without it. Planning to get my, 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 my second one in the spring. Um, because it's, it's a beast, and I love it. I love, I love, I love the dependability of it. Again, I haven't got any contraptions on it to control it. it it's so easy. Mm. That's what you needed to do. And um, you were quite brave um, at Grillstock. Uh, you oh, turned up never, never using one, and uh, and just tiny, and had brought it up on the the back of their trailer, and uh, just turned up a a, a massive event. And uh, just yeah. sort of was like, here you go. And then you cooked like basically your your whole catering job over the whole weekend on on this thing you'd never used <laughs> That's before. How good they are, folks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd never even never even lit one before. And then we ran we ran it for whatever it was three days solid at Grillstock and uh, loved it. Yeah, and and you can you can kind of smoke roast in it as well, which suits my my cookery a lot. I can do things where you can crank the heat up a bit and. Um, it's great for catering jobs. Yeah, love it. Absolutely love it to bits. And um, and the trailer's great. And I'm, I, you know, I saying before, hats off to the guys that are going hot and fast and learning how quickly you can do stuff. And that's really helpful to people that are on a on a on a budget of time, you know. Mm. But um, I'm 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 afraid I'm old school, low and slow myself. The lower and the slower, the better. I, you know, I put things in the day before. Um, I'm a I'm a great believer that if if you're worried about it not being done in time, just start a lot earlier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but stick it in, stick it in the morning before. I it, think it Jackie won't, White won't... said that yesterday on the forum. Yeah. I think someone posted about it going quick. She's like, guys, just put it in and yeah. chill out. Have some patience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, for me, that's what I love about. I mean, real the classic barbecue stuff. For me, that's exactly what it's all about. It's about it taking its time. It gives you time to prep all your sides and make your sauce and whatever and just chill out um, yeah, have a beer you know <laughs> love all that L- love i have to say stuff. i've been so, a bit of a an advocate in sort of hot and fast but at the same time i do still if i have it's got a time and a place isn't it if i've yeah it's got a time and a place and, and if i do have the time and i'm i'm prepared enough and i've already organized what i'm going to eat tomorrow etc etc then i would always prefer the low and slow cooked meats but yeah. sometimes like you said it's got a time and a place and and on a on a friday afternoon when i don't know what we have for dinner on a friday night and i pop into the butchers and they've got some beef ribs there going then hot and fast sometimes has its place but but yeah i am 100 percent with you that low and slow for me still is the 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 preferred method i also think that there's you know and and I'm not knocking. I'm not knocking anyone. I mean, it's all great food. It's great methods to cook. Uh, I'm not saying one method over another is better. Yeah, you know, I'm just talking about what I like doing. But um, 
likewise I'm a massive Brazing fan and I think it gets a it gets a bit of a poor press because people see it as almost like a cheat you know if you're if you're learning the ropes in in smoking and, and barbecue then it's almost like somehow a cheat to put it in a tray with some liquid and, <laughs> and sort of speed things along a bit but I, I love it you know I we did beef ribs yesterday in, in red wine I love that I, I leave it open let it get some smoke uh, and then cover them up with a red wine in there and, and, and some stock veg and then um, out come the ribs put the pan on the straight on the heat and um, and thicken everything up there's nothing I like better yeah, well, it's and just I a different people... style of cooking, isn't it? There's nothing to criticise yeah. over yeah. it. It's just um, that's one way of cooking them. Exactly, and I think I think for people that are new to it all, and they're trying to perfect certain things, and I think sometimes they put themselves under too much pressure. They ought to actually relax and think, yeah, you know, it doesn't always have to be just like that or like this. There's no right and wrong, you know. Just just try try all sorts. And my own inspiration is, I would say. You know, it has a Latin flavour. I love I love a lot of the Central and South American cooking. I like a lot of the Southern European um, styles, and that's what I tend to when I'm putting recipes together for for catering. I tend to go to those places to look for my inspiration. But um, there's so many ways of cooking this stuff, and you know, you never need to eat the same thing twice. If you if you look at the world of cooking uh, over fire, or uh, you know, with smoke, it's it's um it's all there, and just people just need to experiment surprise themselves yeah. and then you know and then you get to the point where you're adding little flowers around the edge of the plate and it's all yeah. and then you're jazzy <laughs> like Dan <laughs> <laughs> yeah jazz, jazzing it up exactly yeah. yeah no no it's great and um, and, and I would say that's definitely that's definitely where where my passion for cooking comes from um, and it's partly again to do with the sausage business we've got 140 150 varieties of sausage we make um, not all not all every week but those are drawn from, you know, inspired by every culture. You look in the world has got its sausages. They're like a, they're like a common language mm. <laughs> because right. it's a way of parceling some meat and some spicing, you know, and all those flavours in you know, a great little packet. Um, and uh, and so that's led me all over the world. You know, looking at looking at the way people do things, and while you're there, you can't help but see. All the different things they're doing. Everyone, everyone uses fire. Every every culture you go to, you know, you, you break it down, and it's it's about lighting a fire and going. I think that's that's for me the essence of of of, of barbecue in the broadest sense of the word. You know. Yeah, right. So I've just just gone onto the sausages section on QuietWatersFarm.co.uk, and there's British, French, German, American, Italian, North African, Spanish. Yeah. Yeah, you've got oh, it's, it's so endless, many different ones you know? on there. Yeah, and, and, and I love it. And I love the fact that you can go from one town to the next and it'll have changed slightly because, you know, they, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't even think about doing it like they do over the hill there. <laughs> you know, what, what, white wine in your, in, your, in your Toulouse sausage, you must be joking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what, what would be your top tips? And I've been getting into making sausages quite a bit recently. And what's, what's your top tip for making a... A sausage um, perfect. I think I think it's about finding. Um, I work. I mean, I'm doing a, I'm doing a, a workshop on this in New York in, in February. Is how how I approach the the flavouring of a sausage is I always freeze. So you want to find three things that go together, and for me that always works best. So you've got a you've got a kind of 
primary ingredient in terms of the flavour, the spices. Something that works well with that as a counterpoint. So, for example, uh, we do a, a chocolate beer and pasilla, and that's the chocolate really stands out as, as as quite an incredible ingredient in a sausage. Really nice, really dark, rich, ties all the meat flavours together really well. The beer kind of works through everything. And then the pasilla is a lovely fruity kind of heat that works really well with the chocolate, really works well with the beer. So always try and find three things. One, one to give it a little kick. One to kind of drench through the whole mix. And then, and then something just to, just to add a little bit of spice in there. Um, you know, another one, Mark Sargent, I had a great, I had a, such a great roast dinner at, um, Mark Sargent's restaurant in Kent years ago. And it was, uh, roast pork, but with peri and star anise. And one of my favorite sausages that we make, I, I kind of was inspired by that meal. And it's a pork sausage with, with, uh, apple with peri. And with star anise, and it's it's such a good mix. It's real, mm. real kind of nice, subtle flavours. Just these, they all work really nicely together. And I'd say that's the way to go. Don't throw away this idea of buying ready mixes, you know, and just get in there and find three things that really love each other and put them in with your sausage. Yeah. <laughs> and what? How do you find? Like, what's the perfect way to get the right balance to make sure that the sausages aren't too dry? Because like the first time I ever made them, when I cooked them up afterwards, I found. Just they were, felt a bit too meaty, if anything, to be honest. So, what, yeah, what, I mean, what do you think I, went I mean, wrong there? A lot of the American people that I work with, they, they, they're confused by the fact that a, a British sausage uses rusk, um, and they think that rusk is some sort of filler, you know, breadcrumb is some sort of filler and some sort of way of deepening things and making a sort of second-rate product. But I'm a massive believer in, in, in the right amount of breadcrumb will, will retain some moisture and help give it a nice bite. Um to be honest, mainly it's in it's in either the mixing or in letting the mix sit in its salt for long enough so that the things are broken down mm-hmm. or the moisture is getting trapped by the that, that's what salt is amazing for you know that's what that's what it's all about the salt what salt does to me is um is the best thing that ever happened to mankind yeah. <laughs> so it's not putting salt's not going to dry out the sausage more than. No, because you, your salt will break down the proteins in the in the in the. It'll help them then retain the, the moisture. Um, you know, some people say, "Oh, you've got to mix and mix and mix a sausage till you get all these nice white uh, threads," and that's when you know it'll bind well and it'll stay juicy and it'll hold together. But you can achieve that with less mixing if you salt it early enough. And, I mean, you could you could not mix at all if you salted the meat and left it for you know, overnight. It'll the salt will do the same job. It'll break down those those proteins. You'll get your nice little fibres in there, and it'll hold the moisture together. So that that's yeah. what I'd say. If you if you've so got you a dry do that sausage before you stuff in it, before you stuff it, absolutely, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And and then and and to stuff them, you know, not 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 too tight, mm-hmm. but certainly not too loose. But you want a good taste before you start. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm just I'll, I'll, really I'll into give, sausages I'll you, I'll, at the moment. We need a sausage masterclass. <laughs> let's have let's have a sausage masterclass. Yeah, well, well, let's get that together. <laughs> you, yeah, and, uh, are, you, are you doing? Is that something you do? Do you do classes and stuff? Because I've I've noticed on the services on your on your page it says you're going to be doing some courses and stuff like that. 
Yeah, we've done we've done courses traveling around, and, and to be honest, quite a lot of the courses that I've been doing have been more in house for for trade customers. So we go, we go into a a restaurant kitchen and talk about how they can put together a little charcuterie program in house, or how they can start making sausage. And a lot of the sausage we make, probably seventy five percent of the sausages we make, are for trade customers um, to uh, to pass off as their own, probably. Um, but um, custom blends, you know. Something that's unique, something that's exclusive to that to that to that customer. Um, but part of the reason we're building here this little shop, and there'll be a kind of eating space, and there'll be a, a workshop space that we can use for courses. And whether that's me teaching them or other people from around the world coming to do things that, that you know that will be great for coming to be part of. So I'm looking forward to that next year. As of late spring onwards, it'll be open for business. Well, we'll definitely come and check that out. Yeah, no, definitely. Mm. I'm just excited about sausages. Sorry, I'm just still looking at all <laughs> these. Just, just so many. I, I can't believe you come out with so many different flavors and profiles. I'm trying to think of. I'm trying to think of like a combination that I can't find on here, so that I can release a United Q sausage now. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll send. I'll send you some. I'll send you some tips. Yeah, where do we, if we wanted to buy your sausages, do we just buy them from your website, or is there shops that stock them? Uh, I don't. We don't. We don't do any retail. We get asked quite a lot to do retail. It's not really my thing. Um, we like to make them fresh to order, um, and uh, and we like to get them straight to the customer. Really, so it, retail is it's all about middlemen and sell by dates and whatnot. And yeah. We stick to that. We want it to come straight from here, really. But um, again, once we open the little shop here, it'll be nice. It'll be more of a traditional kind of butcher shop. People can come and buy them or, or, or do the mail order, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So your range of sauces and rubs, uh, when, did, when did they sort of start? And you've got sort of, you've got like 12 different rubs now on, on the website and there's... Uh, um, yeah, I mean, we do about, I think we do about 40 now. Wow. Um, but again, it's a bit like the sausages. We just... We kind of cycle them a bit. We don't have them all on the go all the time. Um, and we'll come up with a new one maybe for an event or for a dish and think, wow, that, that's worth putting into production, so that will end up. But that all started because, we were, again, we were looking to add a bit of value and a bit of something different to our meat products. Um, so we were coming up with rubs, sauces, marinades to go with our meat. And we're a small farm. Um, we're never going to be able to provide enough meat to meet the demand. So we thought, well, maybe the best thing is to actually separate the rubs and sauces and um, sell them separately. So you can buy your meat from whoever you, you know, your trusted butcher. I'm a big fan of people just getting to know, you know, don't don't order off me online. Go and meet, meet your local guy. Um, you know, find good farmers, find good butchers, and buy your meat from them. Um but then buy our rubs and sauces to go with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then the world's our oyster. See, we can, we can make rubs and sauces all day long uh, and, and feed the world with rubs and sauces. So, yeah. Do yeah, any, that's, that's, do you that's have any become the, a massive part of the business. Do any of the ingredients for the rubs and stuff come from the farm? Some do. Um, less less than, obviously, all the other dishes. Um, you know, we're not, we're not bound by that with the sauces and rubs. Uh, I mean, they're all made... Um, and um, you know, devised and designed here, yeah. and they're all made fresh in batches every week, so that they're not, um, you know, they're not, uh, they're not full of 
preservatives or anything. But but the we we always try and find the best sources. So all, all the chilies come from Mexico, and we cut. We got a great guy there that we know. We know where they're coming from, and we're really happy with his the quality. And it's the same with the herbs. You know, we're really happy with the, the people we get the the fresh and the dried herbs from. Um, so, so that, that's the way we've kind of approached that, trying to find the best ingredients. But yeah, definitely. obviously, some some of the stuff that's in the rubs and sauces is quite, yeah. quite out there. Yeah, I've definitely. got a great guy in in Calabria that's, that sends me his his um, pepperoncino, you know, and I've grown them here, and we just don't get the sunshine. You don't get no. the flavour. You don't get that lovely southern Italian kind of ping that you get when you're using really nicely sun dried peppers yeah definitely so, yeah we're, we're just, it's not the best country for that sort of thing is it <laughs> and also it's great it's it's part of that part of that you know brotherhood of food you, you you get to meet people people that have given me recipes that for me that's part of the passion people that i remember and i think wow they cook such a great dish and i want to i want to be inspired by that particular style or that recipe or that product or that herb or that spice and Get it back, get it back here. Put it into something. Make it, make it, make it part of what we do. Yeah, I see. There's a few sources on here that you've worked with Marcus to create. So you've got like a country wood smoke dirty based. That looks yeah, quite the a dirty nice base. That that was his uh, the bright green. Yeah. Sort of drench for for steaks. I think was the main thing. Oh. Um, but it's a great it's a great product, and he had this mocha rub recipe that he was using. Which we kind of took to what kind of quiet waters farmed it, if you know what I mean, yeah. where most of our rubs are about uh, more texture, more different things going on, so rather than everything being ground down to a powder it's it's more it's more cracked seed or whole seed and it's mm-hmm. lumps and bits and bobs. it's like a wholemeal uh, most of our rubs it's not just about the flavor, it's about the texture as well. So, I like the little pops of flavour you get when you keep certain things whole in in a rub. So we we kind of did a wholemeal version of his mocha rub. That's a really nice one, really good. Yeah, I like that term. That's it. It's like a wholemeal. So I quite yeah, like the same yeah, thing. No. Like it's like I found the like Szechuan peppercorns. Like when they're whole, they have like a completely yeah. different effect, don't they? So it's it's a nice way of like. I like that wholemeal rubs. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it's the same with the with the mocha. We you know we use a. Uh, uh, a cracked or a whole cumin seed, and and you get a little a little hit of that, you know, when you bite into it, you get all the little all the little flavours popping out all over the place, as well as the general kind of yeah. flavouring that it's to whatever it's on. So I'm I'm a big fan of that. Here's one for you. I've uh, this weekend we haven't tried it yet, but I've last night cold smoked some coffee beans. So, right. Yep. And that's my my aim was to make kind of a mocha rub. But it's obviously it's going to have the smokiness in it already great. from the smoked coffee beans. So that's that's I'll that's great. Update yeah. you when I've tried it. I've got some here in front of me, but we've just been right. s- smelling them in the pot today. <laughs> it smells well, a bit weird. Know, it's then, like then we'll, flavors. We'll the, uh, Carry on, mate. The barbecue forte range of. of oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's get together. Let's 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 co- yeah. collaborate on that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But yeah, we've got we've got the little. Got a little tub of them here, actually. So we're just going to get them out, have a little sniff. It's not oh. don't really make good podcasts, but I like it. It's, it's, it's weird though, because it 
like you've got you can really smell the like, undertone of coffee there but the smokiness is really uh, yeah. strong as well so i'm like i'm yeah. torn at the moment to like whether how well it's going to come out but i want to try it's coffee yeah, i actually want to try it as a the aim originally was that we're going to make yeah. Smoke. Yeah, great. we just wanted we love coffee and we drink it all the time and we yeah. just thought how can we get barbecue into our coffee so well, i said i'll smoke some coffee yeah. beans so we're going to try it but when I've smelt them now, I'm feeling more like it could make a good rub sort of thing, I think. Yeah, yeah no, that sounds good. We're I'll working at the moment with... Um, I've sent a few samples out to a few people to, to, to get some feedback, but we're working on some rubs at the moment that are more of a seasoning salt um, to, to pair with wines. So we're... I'm trying to find the the flavors and the profiles that I think go with some of the some of some some of the nice wines that we use in the in the in the cooking that we do so that you can kind of have it on the table to to season your season your food with and um I think there's quite a lot of scope for that it's, it's something I've been working on for a while but it's it's nearing the point where it will hit the market I think but um awesome. so does a that. so does a, a, a seasoning salt that will go with you know a a, a merlot or that will go with a uh, you know, a Chardonnay or whatever, mm. you know, and and it'll it'll kind of bounce off those other flavours so that you you kind of bring another little level, like you say, adding smoke to things. It's all about all the different layers you can build up, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and it's just it's like going that extra mile to try and like make something just taste that little bit different, a little bit better, maybe. Yeah, yeah, and for me, that's what the rubs and the sauces and the marinades are all about. You know, it turns something that might have still been a perfectly nice bit of food into a great meal. You know, something that you'll suddenly remember. You think, "Wow, you know that that really came alive because we just added that little extra layer." Right. Well, you've got this many sausages on your website. Can you tell me what your favourite one is? My favourite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we. Uh, it's probably actually the mazzafagetti. The um, the Italian is a. It's a really subtle one, but it's nice. Bit of orange, bit of pine nut. Uh, yeah, really nice. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say that's probably my favourite. You mm-hmm. have to ask Marcus; he's tried most of them he? <laughs> when he was doing the <laughs> photography. Sending him parcels and stuff. <laughs> so that was a hard job, isn't it? We've, <laughs> we've got cameras as well. If you want. <laughs> yeah, okay, we'll, we'll spread the love. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but yeah, that that would probably be one of my favourites. I would think. Other than the, um, other than the kind of, we do one that we call an ultimate banger, and that that we went to a lot of trouble with, to just do a real good old-fashioned English sausage. But it is, it is taken the extra mile. The sugars we use are very special. Uh, we 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 toast. Um, funnily enough, you're talking about smoking coffee beans. We toast the um, the rusk, and we smoke the water that goes into it. Wow! So that. Um, so that it's got a real, so it's got a real campfire smell going, um, and that yeah, that's pretty special. It says I think it says smoke, smoked fat and wonderful golden syrup. It says here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and oh. it's a lovely golden syrup we get we get from a supplier. It's really, really special. So that's a that's a really nice sausage. Caramelises really nice. You get that lovely kind of sticky, crispy outside that you always want on a on a banger. Mm. You know, uh, that, yeah, uh, that took a, that took a long time to get right, but that's a, that's a great sausage as well for for an everyday for an everyday banger. I love like hearing like your your knowledge and sort of passion about all of the individual different sort of. Do you know, like I think when you come to the point of having 
over a hundred sausages and like a hundred rubs and all these marinades that you start to forget what actually goes. I mean, I can't even remember what I had for breakfast this morning. So, <laughs> so it's like, it's amazing to hear that you have so much passion for it all. And I guess that comes from being a producer as well as, so you actually produce the meat and then you actually turn yeah. it into something else. And I guess it, it all, I yeah, mean, I your respect for like the original product really comes through with, with the actual final products that you make from it as well. Yeah, I think I think you, you value things, you know, quite highly. Um, it's also that whole approach of using everything, you know, whether it's stocks we're making for ourselves, you know, not wanting anything to go to waste if we can avoid it, and and just yeah, giving you've got you've got more as a producer, you tend to have more invested in it just naturally. You you, you know, you knew the pig. Yeah. <laughs> you want to give it a what is it? Um, Darius said, you know, every animal deserves a a good life, a good death, a good butcher, and a good cook. You know, yeah. and if we we try and we try and get all that on the farm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're all of the above. <laughs> yeah, do you exactly. do any of the butchery exactly. yourself? Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, less now than I used to, but that's no bad thing. Um, uh, yeah, you know, especially with the charcuterie, there's a whole different approach to butchery. Where, you know, in the butcher shop, you're, you're tending to cut things up into primals. And and that's where we get those recognisable cuts that we see. Whereas, having been doing charcuterie for so many years, it's more like beef butchery. It's more like seam butchery, where you're you're peeling all the different muscles apart. Mm-hmm. So instead of cutting through, you're kind of separating things out. Um, so yeah, no, you know, always done a lot of butchery and, uh, and love it. You know, it's a good deal. And um, whether it's out shooting, knowing knowing you know the anatomy of the animal, knowing how you can use use bits of it. Um, this time of year, we you know I shoot quite a bit, and it's nice to to bring some deer in or some game in, uh, find some recipes we can do with them right back to the to the noble pig, you know. Mm. Yeah, so you you've done some like game sausages as well, I think. Haven't you? Yeah, yeah, we do. You know, in, in at the right times of year, we do. We do we do some wild duck sausage. Um, we do uh, we we were doing some goose sausages, but they're um, they, they've got to be cooked right. And sometimes you can you can make a wonderful product, but you you you've also got to look at is everyone going to be able to get the best out of this? Yeah. Um, I had to write a little news item on the website that was like how to cook sausages, and it sounds like you sounds like you're patronising <laughs> people, but it's actually harder than people think to do sausages justice especially mm. if, not, if they're not full of um phosphates and stuff that that kind of helps you keep it moist mm. so what what is, <laughs> you know, what is in, the best way to cook a sausage then? uh for, well, for me um i would say and the barbecue community is already one step ahead here because indirect slowly you know, smoking a sausage or indirect grilling is is a really nice way to do it because you're bringing it up to temperature really gently. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the key with the sausage. You don't want to shock it, melt all its fat, you know, and you end up with a pool of fat and a dry sausage. Um, you you want to bring it up slowly or, or the other one is to is to braise them gently, you know, to, to look at cooking them with some onions or with a bit of kraut or with, a, you know, something like that like a in a dish on the grill mm-hmm. and then and then just brown them off when they're done. Um, but the key is not to get them too hot. If you want them to stay juicy, just don't get them too hot. Okay. Yeah. I tend that's what my usual methods tend to go for, like 
hot-ish, smoking them for until they're up to temperature and then just browning them off at the end. Yeah, perfect. Mm. I mean, that's the way to go. And smoked sausage, there's nothing much better. You know, it's always the one that everyone wants when we're doing the festivals and things. You open up the trailer and there's a heap of heap of jumbo dogs in there all with a nice snap to them and a great colour. Yeah. You know, I guess you can't even beat it. That's one part that I've just missed out on when we've talked about the sausage is the skin, I guess. What what's, yeah. what type of skin? Because I've bought this sort of dry skin that I use, and we use um, we use a, a just a natural, natural hog casing. casing. Yeah, um, yeah. Every time, don't go near the um, the plastic ones. <laughs> what is but it the, made um, of? Because it does the, feel like plastic. The, the vegetarian, <laughs> goodness knows what they're made of. Um, but um, yeah, na- but again, the quality varies, and I, I would I would recommend anyone making their own sausage to go and find. Um, I think some, it's like beef collagen skin. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, lovely. Um, and is. I'm sure it's all um, great. It's just a perfectly straight sausage. You know, I never trust a straight sausage. They <laughs> remind me of those roller dog carts you see. Where <laughs> 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 someone's got those, got those rotating mean, yeah. hot dogs on them. Yeah, yeah the cinema, they have them, them, don't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't want to eat that. But... Um, yeah, no natural casings um, are great, and, and the lamb casings for you know for your. Obviously, we do quite a lot of lamb sausages, um, and and the palatas, they will go in a nice little natural lamb casing. Um, it's good, but yeah, this is no, turned into more of a sausage cast, I think, than anything. Isn't it? <laughs> sausage <laughs> fest, yeah. Yippee! Right, well, yeah. we're we're approaching our hour mark, John, and I think we've covered sausages. We could probably go on and cover some other stuff, but we'll have to save that for another day, I'm afraid. Um, so yeah, no problem. <laughs> thanks very much for coming on the show. Um, well, thanks for having me, guys. You know, uh, love what you're doing. Keep it up. Good luck with the book. Thanks very much. Cheers, mate. Thank yeah. you very much. Speak to you soon. Speak to you soon. Cheers, Cheers. guys. Bye. Chat soon. Bye. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We've recorded yet another awesome podcast to get you over hump day. As always, we're brought to you by ProQ, Barbecue Gourmet, Kamado Joe and Smokewood Shack, our awesome sponsors. ProQ is dedicated to providing you quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice for beginners to pitmasters. You can find them on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. So if you think about buying your first smoker, wanting to upgrade or looking for charcoal cabinet smokers, then check them out over at Max Barbecue. Barbecue Gourmet is devoted to promoting real barbecue and supplying the UK and Europe with top championship winning barbecue rubs, sauces, marinades and accessories from the United States and around the world. You can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. So regardless of how you cook, whether it's on charcoal, wood, gas or electric, the real taste of summer can be yours all year round. And Kamado Joe is renowned for build quality and innovation. From smoking, roasting or searing, Kamado Joe is the premium ceramic grill chosen by Michelin star chefs and barbecue enthusiasts alike. Get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Check them out at kamadojoe.co.uk and on Facebook and Twitter. And finally, Smokewood Shack delivers quality smoking wood every time. They provide the smoky goodness, you provide the talent. So if you're looking for smoking wood chunks, dust, chips or planks, then head on over to smokewoodshack.com and you can find them on Twitter under Smokewood Shack. So goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. And I'm the best cook today, so I'm going to click the button now. I'm the best barbecue cook, by far.